This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. A couple of my personal favorites tonight. First, it's another adventure with that insurance investigator who records every purchase made while working on behalf of his clients, Johnny Duller. Now, I mean, if this guy had to buy shoelaces while on the job, that cost would be passed on to his employer. Well, I guess when you're a gumshoe, you're allowed those expenses, right? Then we can look forward to a half hour with Red Skelton. And you never know what character he'll be when he does show up. Actually, I do know. Tonight, Red will play Deadeye, and he gets involved in a wild trade involving his horse. What a talented guy Red Skelton was. I mean, aside from his comedic abilities, he took the hobby of painting clowns, and at the urging of his wife while he was working in Las Vegas, he offered his art for sale. And in the end, Red Skelton apparently made far more money from the sale of his paintings than he ever did from work in the entertainment world. So let's get things underway with yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the episode King's Necklace that was first aired March 17th of 1953. John Lund as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Eastern Indemnity and Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the King's Necklace matter. Expense account item one, $134.70. Airfare and incidentals between Hartford and Miami. Waiting at the airport, as promised, was your Southern States Agency Manager, Marty Fenton. Over a cup of brew in the coffee shop, he briefed me on the assignment. Ever hear of King Rawlings, Johnny? King Rawlings? Financial tycoon, wasn't he? Retired some 15, 20 years ago? That's the lad. About a year ago, he wrote a policy in a quarter of a million dollar necklace that he owned. Which has suddenly turned up among the missing? Uh, not yet. When you expect it to? Well, we got a letter from him day before yesterday. Claims somebody attempted to break into his safe. Thinks they were after the necklace. Well, I'm usually sent for after the crime's been committed. True, my lad, true. Oh, pass the sugar, will you please? Sure. So what am I doing here now? The policy's coming up for renewal, Johnny. There have been nasty rumors circulating around about Rawlings' present financial condition. Brady's starting a build-up to put in a fraudulent claim? Been done before. The boys in Hartford get pretty stuffy about that kind of skullduggery. And we want you to check around Los Banos and see what you come up with. Is that where the gentle sea breezes waft through the palm trees? Two thousand imported ones. Los Banos is Rawlings' own personal island off the coast of Cuba. 
He's lived there for 20 years, surrounded by his memories, his trees, and his collection. Of precious stones? Uh-uh. People. Oh, your plane's waiting, Johnny. I hired a little amphib to fly Let's not down. brush off the collection of people, Marty. Who am I to prejudice a stalwart investigator about to brave the dangers of Rawlings Isle? On your way, lad. May the blessings of Eastern Indemnity follow you even unto the ends of Los Banos. After one and a half hours of white clouds and blue sky, the plane put down in an even bluer sea and taxied over to a landing dock on a picture book island. King Rawlings had collected palm trees, all right, but I didn't know about the people. From where I stood, there was nothing to be seen but the landing dock, a gravel path, and those trees. The path led through a seemingly deserted tangle of exotic flowers, sweet-scented vines, and the ever-present palm trees. It was like a tropical paradise, peaceful, serene, untouched by men. I just about decided that nobody on this island ever made use of this lush garden spot when I learned that I couldn't have been more wrong. Over here, please. Well, hello, wherever you are. Over here, in the clearing to your right. Hello, who are you? My name's Johnny Dollar. I am Nita Valdez, Mr. Dollar. Well, I'm glad to know you, Miss Valdez. You are the man who arrived on the plane a few minutes ago, no? I didn't think anyone had heard. The hospitality is overwhelming. You have become accustomed to it. Everyone here is too occupied with himself to bother concerning anyone else. Like me, I have been too busy sunbathing. Yes, uh, so I noticed. If it bothers you, you could hand me my robe. Oh, no, no, that won't be necessary. Sit down, Mr. Dollar. Thanks. You have come to see the king about the attempt to steal his necklace? Apparently sunbathing hasn't interfered with your learning about that. You obviously do not know King Rawlings very well. Why do you say that? Everyone on this island has been accused of attempting the theft. Including you? Why should I be an exception? Oh, just wondering. Because I'm young and beautiful, you think perhaps I hold some special place of esteem in King Rawlings' affections? Well, do you? Can you reach that bottle of suntan lotion? Yeah, sure. The back of my shoulders, would you mind... It is a difficult place for me to reach. Oh, I'll be glad to. About the necklace, Mr. Dollar, I would not be too concerned about it if I were you. Oh? Why not? Well, if anyone had actually made an attempt to steal it, the king knows who he is. But he still accused everybody here, huh? It affords him a great deal of pleasure to make others squirm and be uncomfortable. You don't like him very much, do you? I hate him. And why do you stay here? Same reason as everyone else. Money? Oh, that will do nicely, thank you. You're welcome. Do you mind explaining that bit about money, Miss Valdez? Later, perhaps. The sun is still warm, and I wish to take advantage of it. We will meet again. A polite dismissal, if I ever heard one. You're wondering, perhaps, why I stopped you to talk this way? The thought had occurred to me, yes. When you meet the king, get to know him a little... I think you will understand why. And if I don't? I sunbathe here every day at this time. I'll think about that, too.
I found that Rawlings, like all good kings, lived in a castle. This one, obviously imported, stone by stone, from some Moorish province. A nervous little man came to the main gate and escorted me inside to the baronial hall. Harley is my name, Mr. Dollar. Timothy B. Harley. I'm Mr. Rawlings' secretary. In here, please. Mr. Rawlings, steady. He'll be down to join you shortly. Thanks, Mr. Harley. I presume you're here about the uh, necklace, Mr. Dollar? A favorite topic of conversation around here, isn't it? I beg your pardon? The necklace. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, under the circumstances, you see, the attempted theft and all, it, uh... Has someone else mentioned it to you? Any reason why they shouldn't? Oh, and, oh no, 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 not at all, no. It was just that, well, um... Was it Nita Valdez, by any chance? What makes you think so? Why, oh, nothing. Oh, no, no, nothing at all. Only, you see, it was where, uh, to tell you the truth, I, I've suspected something for a long time. It's come to my attention. You talk too much, Charlie. Oh, oh Mr. Rawlings. Oh, I didn't hear you come in. I was just telling you. Get out. Oh, well, of course, Mr. Rawlings. You're from the insurance company? That's right, Johnny Dollar. Why you instead of Marty Fenton? He's an agent. I'm a special investigator. I didn't request an investigation. You made a report of an attempted robbery. What do you want me to do? Have you declare the policy void because I didn't? What do you want us to do? Thank you for letting us pay out a quarter of a million if the necklace turns up missing. Over here, darling. There's the safe I keep it in. Hmm. Pretty substantial job. Fenton supervised the installation himself. Those scratches near the combination, those what made you think somebody tried to force it? Only a hammer and chisel could make those marks. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see the necklace. Boy. Who do you think was after it? Either Harley or my protege, Nita Valdez. Why suspect them? They love money and hate me. You care to go into that? You're investigating the necklace, Dollar, not my relationships with the people on this island. There it is. Oh. Beautiful workmanship. What else did you expect for a quarter of a million dollars? A little more than this, Rawlings. Hmm? I'm no expert on precious stones, but ten will get you twenty if these aren't paste. Let me see. Hmm. You're right, they are. Any explanations? None. You've no idea how the switch was pulled? I have not. When was the last time the necklace was appraised? When the policy was written? Who else has the combination of this safe? No one. Oh. Kind of puts you in a spot, doesn't it? Not at all. I'm insured. The law says we don't have to pay off on fraudulent claims. I know. The law also says you have to prove that fraud exists. I broke the news to Marty and looked around for something to improve the shining hours while waiting for him to arrive. I found it. Dressed in a clinging silk gown on a patio overlooking the sea. 
It was obviously the cocktail hour. Mind if I join you? Oh, please do. I can't make up my mind. To what, Mr. Donner? Which shows you off to greater advantage? That dress or the sunset? <laughs> For that, you may have a choice of rewards. Scotch or martini? Nothing, thanks. Well, what did you think of him? The king? Yes. I'm more interested in what you think of him. I have already told you. I know. He confirmed your statement. That I hate him? Mm-hmm. You can believe it. I do. What I want to know is why. King Rawlings is a collector. Stamps, butterflies, out-of-state license of plates. people, Mr. Dollar. How does this fascinating game of his work? He specializes in aspiring artists with little or no talent. An actress like myself. A would-be poet like Harley. He baits his trap with the promise of money to aid their careers. Keeps them dangling as long as they can amuse him and feed his ego. Then he casts them off. Very amusing. Yes, isn't it? But if you know what he is, why stay on? Oh, it's much easier to cling even to a remnant of a dream than to face the harshness of reality. How tough would it be to face reality with a quarter of a million dollars? The necklace is gone. Does that surprise you? No. It was too great a temptation. For you or Harley? For either of us, if we had known the combination to that safe. No, Mr. Dollar, it was the king himself who was tempted. Well, that doesn't figure. Not with his money. If he still has it. Why do you think he hasn't? What other answer could there be? Hmm. Might be interesting to try to find out. Oh, you would be wasting your time, Mr. Donner. I've got some to spare. Perhaps I could find useful. I don't have any money. Oh, that was rather cruel. I'm sorry. Uh, Mr. Dollar, is that you, Arthur? Oh, yes, yes, of course it is, yes. Why the excitement, Harley? Tell me, is it true that the necklace has been stolen? Looks like it. Why? I wonder if that could possibly account for it. For what? Mr. Rawlings. He's lying on the second floor landing. I think he's dead. D.B. Harley couldn't have been more right. King Rawlings was lying stone cold dead on the second floor landing. When Marty Fenton flew in three hours later, accompanied by a Captain Fuentes of the Havana police, I gave them a fast briefing. Marty's reaction was predictable. Nobody gets off this island until we learn what's happened to that necklace. Right, Captain Fuentes? Yes, I agree, Senor Fenton. Up to a certain point. What point? What do you mean? The good captain apparently feels there might be something more important about all this than a missing necklace. What could be more important than a quarter of a million in stolen jewels? How about murder? Never entered my mind. Naturally not. Eastern indemnity only insured Rawlings Stones, not his life. I guess I had that coming. Senor Dollar is quite correct, however. The cause of Senor Rawlings' death is not apparent at the moment. It will require an autopsy to determine. And if it's murder? We must then regard everyone who was present upon this island with suspicion. 
what help can you give us regarding that, Senor Dollar? Well, just what I've told you. Outside of the servants, only Harley, Miss Valdez, and I were among those present. And who was the last to see Senor Rawlings alive? So far as I know, I was. But Harley could have been with him after Rawlings left me in the study. For that matter, Miss Valdez could have seen him, too, before our little tete-a-tete on the patio. Look, fellows, me lads, I don't want to appear single-minded about this little affair, but we don't know whether Rawlings was murdered or not. However, we do know Eastern indemnities out of cool 250 Gs if that necklace doesn't turn up. Uh, payable, of course, to Senor Rawlings' estate. Sure, but who cares who it's payable to? What I'm interested in is not paying it. Thinking of possible motives, Captain? Uh, the heir to Senor Rawlings' fortune might well be suspect. So would whoever stole the necklace, if Rawlings had tumbled to him. And there's always plain hate, isn't there? You have something specific in mind, Senor Dollar? Mm, just a suggestion, Captain. Fuentes had his plane fly Rawlings' body back to Havana for posting, while he conducted a very thorough, if unenlightening, questioning of those present. Apparently, no one had seen Rawlings after he left me in the study, had any idea how he died, or what had happened to that necklace. Fuentes knocked off around midnight, and everyone ostensibly went to bed. I still had a few unanswered questions kicking around, so I went up to Harley's room to try them out. Yes, Mr. Dollar. Mr. Rawlings had a will, but as I told Captain Fuentes, it's locked in the safe. And it'll take a court order and some professional safe crackers to get at it, I know. But what about the copy? Copy? It's customary for the attorney who drew it up to retain a copy. Oh, yes, of course. I hadn't thought. Uh, Senor Chavez must have one in Havana. He's an attorney there? Yes. As a matter of fact, he handled most of Mr. Rawlings' financial affairs... Well, he must have a copy. Oh, why don't you ask him? Oh, I will. But uh, first, I'd like to know why you were planning to leave Los Banos. Leave Los Well, how did you know? Well, maybe you can think of another reason for having a half-filled suitcase laying there on your bed. Oh, that, oh yes, of course. Yes. I was planning to leave. There's no reason why I shouldn't. After all, my employment here has been terminated. Have you discussed the idea with Captain Fuentes? Well, uh, no, but why should he object? I'm not guilty of anything. Just a thought, Harley. Mind if I take a look at that suitcase? No, no, don't. Don't touch that. Don't. Well, what do you know? A brown paper parcel neatly wrapped and tied. You mind telling me what's in it? It's none of your business. Put that down. It wouldn't be a necklace by any chance, would it? Put it down, Dollar. Oh, sure, right away. Well... Now, that's interesting. All new, crisp, in $100 denominations. Hmm. Must be close to $10,000 here. Well, what of it? It's mine. Oh, I don't doubt that. I'm just wondering where you got it. I saved it. Working for Rawlings? Yes, why not? I saved it working for Rawlings. It's mine. Okay, Harley. I don't want it. Don't you really know why Captain Fuentes might object to your leaving now? No. I most certainly don't. Hmm. Remarkable. There wasn't anything I could do before morning rolled around except smoke a last cigarette and try to think things out. So I went out in the same patio where Anita and I had had our talk and lit up. The one cigarette turned into two. Then I started to light a third one. That was a mistake. 
I saw the muzzle flash. It came from somewhere inside a clump of palm trees. But with a full moon behind me, I wasn't going to get heroic about it. I made a dive for a concrete retaining wall. I didn't think the shots I'd snapped out had done any good, and I had no intention of finding out. Not with that moon lighting things up. So I made myself comfortable with my back to the wall and waited for the Cuban Marines in the person of Captain Fuentes to come charging to the rescue. Some 15 minutes later, Marty, the captain, and I held a council of war on our way down to the landing docks. I found these two empty shells under one of the palm trees, Senor Dollar. But that was all. No trace of the person who fired them. What about Harley? He's not in his room. So far, I've been unable to locate him. Hardly seems reasonable, Johnny. What could be so important about that money you saw to make him want to kill you? I don't know that he did, Marty. But I'd like to ask him a couple of questions about it. But why come down here to the boathouse, senor? Well, with your plane gone, there's only one way off this island. Rawling speedboats. We'd better make sure they're locked up tight. One of the slips is empty. It wasn't when I got here. We heard no motor, senor. Well, that's nothing that a paddle and a pair of willing arms can't explain. Harley? That's my guess. And it's ten to one he has the necklace with him. Expense account item two. Five dollars and sixty-five cents. Breakfast for two in Havana, where Martin Fenton and I found the Bougainvillea and the tourist rates in full bloom. We wanted to talk to Senor Chavez, Rawlings' lawyer. And after a rough trip on one of the speedboats and that rougher breakfast tab, we made our way to his office. See, I have a copy of Senor Rawlings' will, but... You understand I cannot disclose its contents until the court so ordered. Well, we don't want any details, Senor Chavez. Huh? But I understood you were inquiring about beneficiaries. All we want to know is if he left anything to a Timothy Harley or Anita Valdez. I see. Well, we've explained the circumstances, Senor Chavez. It can't violate any professional ethics to give us a yes or no to those two names. No, uh... No, I do not believe it is unethical to tell you this much. No individuals were named in the will. Only charitable and public welfare institutions. Well, that eliminates the heir apparent angle, Jenny. Mm. One more thing, Senor Chavez. There have been rumors that Rawlings' fortune was almost gone. Any truth to them? Not a bit. All his investments were most judiciously placed. He was perhaps wealthier at the time of his death than at any time during his life. Well, you've been a big help. Thanks. For now, it is an attorney's duty to obey the law, is it not? Any time you are here in Havana, please to stop in. It would be my pleasure. I will do, Senor Chavez, and thanks again. Well, it was a great help. I cleaned up some loose ends. It's a loose necklace I'm worried about, Johnny. Where do we go from here? We can check out the local police, see if they've picked up anything on Harley. Good as anything, I guess. Oh, which way? We passed it on the way up here. We'll go right... Senor Dollar, it is most fortunate that you're still here. There is a phone call for you in my office from the island of Los Baños. Oh, thanks, Senor Chavez. Uh, There, on my desk, Senor. Johnny Dollar. This is Captain Puente, Senor Dollar. 
I have some information for you. Oh? What is it, Captain? First of all, the autopsy report on Senor Rawlings has come in. Natural death? See, eh? si, that is correct. From an old aggravated heart condition. But how did you know? No real reason for anybody to murder him. What else? We have found Senor Harley's body at the north end of the island. Apparently his motor stopped and the surf dashed him against the rocks. His skull was fractured. You didn't find the necklace on him? No, but he's the one who stole it. What makes you think so? In his wallet we found a slip of paper, Senor. On it was written, the combination of the safe. Expense account item three. $35. Transportation of speedboat back to Los Bernas. With Captain Fuente's report, there was no need to report directly to the island. And Marty was anxious to get back to the office and bring you up to date. So he chartered a plane and we took off for Miami. Well, Johnny, my lad, we chalk up another happy collaboration, huh? Yeah, you might call it that, Marty. A king there was. You know, somehow I don't think Rawlings was a very happy man with all his dough. Hold up on that island, nothing but hate around him. Well, money's not the answer to everything. No, but as the saying goes, it sure helps. But then I guess it didn't help Harley much either. I wonder if we'll ever find that necklace. It'll turn up. Pretty optimistic, aren't you? No, I'm sure of it. Well, come on, Johnny, give. Where do you think it is? Right there in your briefcase. It's not a very funny gag, Johnny. No, Marty. It's not. And how about changing the snapper? I wish I could, Marty. But it figured all along. Hmm. Looking for every possible loophole, I guess. But they all closed up on me. Where did I slip? Where they all slip. At the very beginning. When you first thought of it. What tipped you? Rawlings swore that only he knew the combination of that safe. He was wrong. One other man knew it. The one who supervised its installation. <laughs> you should have known you'd tumble to that. The paste pinned it down even closer, Marty. The reproduction was too good. No wonder. You had every descriptive detail in your copy of the policy. Weights, dimensions, photographs, everything. I didn't go back to the island, Johnny. How could I make the switch? That's where Harley came in. You slipped him the combination and he made the switch. That's why the 10,000 payoff and why you had to kill him and frame it as an accident. Maybe I should have killed you too when I had the chance on the patio. You've still got your gun. Nah. What's the use? It was wrong all the way. Besides, I never could outshoot you. Expense account item four, $32.15. Hotel bill and incidentals in Miami. Item five, $141.10. Plane fare and incidentals back to Hartford. Expense account total, $348.60. Remarks. With all due deference to my chosen profession, sometimes this is a lousy business. Yours truly... Johnny Dollar.
Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars John Lund in the title role and was written by Sidney Marshall with music by Milton Charles. Featured in tonight's cast were Jack Moyles, Lillian Bayef, Tom Tully, Howard McNear, Nestor Piva, and Don Diamond. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. This is Charles Lyon inviting you to join us again next week at this same time when, from Hollywood, John Lund returns as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Stay tuned for The Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Red Skelton Show and an episode that was first aired in 1953, Dead Eye Trades His Horse. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Red Skelton. In response to requests from millions of people, I'm sorry we say no. We present the program anyway. <laughs> Hollywood, Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose and his orchestra, our singing stars, the Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorreen Tuttle, Pat McGee, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. Yes, it's the Red Skelton Show, brought to you by Tide, Procter & Gamble's amazing new discovery for your whole family wash. Now from Metro Golden Mayor, the star of our show, Red Skelton. Thank you very much and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How are you tonight, O'Connor? Fine, Skelton. Uh, say, where you been hiding all week? What's the matter? Did the West Coast gas shortage keep you in? No, when I couldn't get any gas, I just filled my tank with lighter fluid. <laughs> Did your car run? No, but it made the prettiest blue flame. <laughs> well, look, what are you going to do this coming week? Well, I'm flying to Washington, D.C. tonight. I've been asked to entertain before Secretary of State General Marshall for the Humanitarian Award, and I was asked to be there. Why? Oh, some of the old gang thought it would be fun to take a hike up into the mountains and have a... Wasn't it subtle the way I said that? Huh? <laughs> and have a civilian bivouac. Uh, do you have a sleeping bag? Yeah, you want it? I think it's a sleeping bag. I bought it at an army surplus store. I think it's one of those cases they carry shellos in. <laughs> Sorry I said that, brother. Well, what do you mean, Mr. Bones? <laughs> you know, I sure have a dull part tonight. <laughs> what do you mean? I think the writers have captured your air personality for the first time. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get back to the sleeping bag. <clears throat> 
Bring the words closer together, old boy. You're proud of that, ain't you? Now, don't go get mad. I'm not mad. Why, I love you like Truman loves Congress. Well, what do you know about sleeping bags? Would you ever try to get into one of those things? Boy, they're, they're awful. It's like trying to put your pants on in an upper berth. You know? I went camping last summer and you get into this thing, see, and you zip yourself up. Yes, you start to doze off on the kids and, hey, Pop, I'm cold. <laughs> so you get up and you give them your blanket and you crawl back in a zipper bag and you zip it up again and you're laying there watching the mosquitoes <laughs> prepare your nose for surgery. <laughs> Don't go away. I may want to read the script again. <laughs> You doze off to sleep again, and just then your wife says, Hey, honey, I think somebody's ramsacking the car. Well, then what do you do? Try to convince her it's just uh, some used car dealer's talent scout looking it over? Oh, no, you sure how brave you are, and you grope around for the flashlight, see? Mm-hmm. Finally, when you find it, the kid's been playing with it all day, and the battery's so weak you have to light a match to see if the bulb <laughs> Anyhow, you start for the car, see, and you sneak over real, and you don't want to wake up the other campers. Mm. So very quietly, you say, who's there? <laughs> well, who was there? Nobody but a nice, friendly 500-pound bear. You mean you came face to face with a bear? No, he followed me. Red, I'm surprised at you. I heard those bears up in the national parks are so tame they eat off your hands. Yeah, I got news for you, bub. They like arms and legs, too. <laughs> Tides in. Dirt. Our tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. Uh, simmer down there, sister. Simmer down. <laughs> You're covering a lot of ground there. I was over to my Uncle Cal Cadillahopper's general store, and they really got a mess of different kinds of soap there, and a lot of them are new sudsers, too. Well, Clem, Tide gets clothes cleaner than any known wash day product, soap or sudser new or old. Oh? Nothing you can buy will get your family wash as clean as Procter & Gamble's Tide. Oh, I see. Notice I said family wash. That includes everything. Your heavy work clothes, as well as your best linens and prints. Tide leaves them all free from dirt. And Tide removes dingy soap film, too. Yet with all this amazing cleaning power this takes, Tide is safe. Truly safe for all your washable colors. What's more, Tide actually brightens those soap-dulled colors. As for white things, in hardest water, Tide gets them whiter than any other washing product known. Tide keeps them white, too, week after week. Never turns them yellow. When you're using Tide, you're using the only wash day product known that gives all this the cleanest, brightest, whitest wash you ever hung on the line. All right, now, kitties, gather around the radio and we'll get some old foot patting music going. The four knights are here. What are you going to sing, boys? A little song. Of that. Brother Bill. Oh, me Brother Bill went hunting up in the woods of the eastern Maine Now the reason why we went up there, well we thought we could catch some game As me Brother Bill walked hunting way over in the middle of the night We shot at something like a grizzly bear, but the doggone thing turned white So I dropped that gun, we dropped that gun, and away I run And away I run, Brother Bill said, boy what's the matter with you Had it known like me, he'd run some too, I run so fast they say 
They couldn't catch me all day. The way I run across that field, they couldn't catch me with an automobile. Brother Bill got so excited that he took a shot at me. That bullet whistled past my ear, zing, hit a tree. I run until I was exhausted. My feet were dragging the ground. Come on, big feet, don't fail me now. Oh, the merry band bound. Whoa, drop that gun. And away I run. Brother Bill said, boy, what's the matter with you? Had an old night me, he run some too. I run so fast, they say. They couldn't catch me all day. The way I run across that field. They couldn't catch me with an automobile. Well, I ran right past my house, but I didn't have time to knock. And I ran right past a big dice game. I didn't even have time to stop. And I ran right by a gin mill. And I stopped to get a shot of gin. But I didn't have a dime to pay for it. So I had to start running again. Oh, drop that gun. I drop that gun. And away I run. And away I run. Brother Bill said, Boy, what's the matter with you? And don't like me. You run some too. I run so fast, they say. They couldn't catch me all day. No. The way I run across that field. They couldn't catch me with an automobile. you'll meet sooner or later. Break it, you Break it. <laughs> Have you ever sold something that was dear to you just because someone told you that you should for your own good? Well, I knew an old cowboy like that once called Deadeye. He sold something he wanted. You will, too, sooner or later. Home permanence, new, and then we won't look like twins anymore. <laughs> now come on in, whoa! All right, all right, all right. So you threw me. Now stop prancing around like gorgeous George, will you? <laughs> come on over here, you no good critter. I'll teach you. A... Hey, you saddlebum! Don't yell at your horse like that. Let me give you a tip. We don't mistreat a horse in these parts. Why well, ain't it bothering you, ma'am? <laughs> you from somewhere, I never forget a face. Uh, you should have forgotten the one you're wearing. I'll... <laughs> Let me see that horse. I know that horse. I've got it, you dead eye. The horse is a dead giveaway. Yeah, he's a giveaway, but he ain't dead, is he? <laughs> dead eye. Don't you remember me? Well, now, I've seen that shape somewhere. Now, could it have been, uh... No, no. That was tied to the pier in Frisco. <laughs> Something like old vulture bait Kate. That's me. Well, Katie, old gal, it's good to see you again. Well, it's good to see you too, Deadeye. I ain't seen you for a year and a day. What you been doing? A year and a day. (laughs) You sure got a nerve to come back here. Why shouldn't I come back here? When hmm? you did disappear after the big bank robbery. Oh, now the folks in these parts don't think I robbed a bank, do they? Well, your horse was in front of the bank, and there was a big explosion, and you come running out with a big bag of money and rode away. Yeah, it does look suspicious, don't it? (laughs) But everybody knows I ain't no bandit. Why only did that for a joke? And why didn't you return the money? Because I ain't got no sense of humor. (laughs) 
Walter Keaty, it's... You ain't going to turn me in, are you? No, I reckon not. Because I still like you, did I? Oh. But let me give you a tip. If What's you don't that? want nobody to know you're around, you get rid of that nag. Yeah? Why, I recognize your horse before I recognize you. Yeah, it's a good idea. But uh, tell me, will you be waiting here till I get back? I sure will, lover boy. <laughs> Let's not get sickening about this. <laughs> I'll see you later, clabber girl. Come on. <laughs> Let's go over and see the honest engine, the used horse dealer. Ooh. Hey, partner, where will I find the honest engine? You're speaking to him, Toothless. What do you want to see me about? Well, I got a horse I'd like to trade in on a later model, uh, something that moves. <laughs> well, you have something to trade in? Yeah, this Billy I'm riding. Kind of sway back, ain't she? No, that's the latest thing in a horse. You have to step down to get on. <laughs> what do you think of her? Look, Cactus Head, you better ride on. I ain't interested. Oh, look, Roger. Yeah. I don't mean to cause no trouble, but I'm a warning you. You're chatting with Deadeye. The roughest, toughest hombre this side of the YWCA. YMCA. <laughs> Oh, you're tough, eh? Yeah, and to prove it, I'll just empty my six-shooter and eat the bullets. Now, what? Yeah, now I swallowed them, too. That was a silly thing to do. Yeah, I think it was. I feel like I got a little indigestion now. <laughs> I hope I don't get the hiccups with them uh, bullets inside of me. Why, what would happen if you had hiccups? I don't know, but stand back. I think we're going to find out. <laughs> How do I look with only one head now? <laughs> well, indeed, how about the horse, deal? I think you better get that nag out of here. She's turning to glue right in front of our eyes. Oh, what are you talking about? Well, look at her stance. Look how steady she stands there. I've got news for you, Pack Rat. She ain't standing. Well, she's leaning against that fence. Well, that's because she's tired for waiting for us to come to turns here. Look, I'll walk her away from the fence. Come on, now, now, look up a little. Move your legs, will you, girl? Come on. There. You see, she can't even stand up. Oh, sure she can. She's just a victim of regulated training. Comes five o'clock, she lays down and takes a nap no matter where she is. <laughs> ah, come on, girl. Get up. Get up. Get her. Better stand back. I never know what she does. Gonna do when she rears up on her knees like that. <laughs> Look at that. Ain't that a sight, brother? Now, you put a tired end in on her back, and you've got the most perfect picture of the end of the trail you ever wanted to <laughs> Sorry, but I'm afraid that I can't do business with you. Yeah? Well, you got to. My life depends on it. I mean, uh, she's not that bad. Why, she's one of the best quarter horses around. Yeah? We'll bring around the other three quarters, and if it's breathing, we'll make a deal. Yeah? Look, did I? Truthfully, how old is this, hey, Bernard? Well, between you and me, I should bring a nice price as an antique. I think she was with Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders. Because whenever I comb her tail... Get ready for it, folks. Here it comes. <laughs> I think she was with Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders because every time I comb her tail, she gets mad if I don't remember the mane. <laughs> so, she was with old Teddy, eh? Yeah, first lieutenant. Well, I'll tell you. I'll give you a dollar for her and that horse over there. Okay, it's a deal. Well, goodbye, old pal. <laughs> now, stop crying. 
wrong with her? Well, all horses buck around like that. Look, 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 look at her turn. Look at that. Well, I've never seen her act like that before. And you won't again either. She's dead. Yeah. Not my old pal Kim Tone. Going to greener pastures, huh? Must have a strong union, boys. But I, I didn't know how much I needed her. Why, well, I won't be able to go on without her now. Buck up, did I? Gee, I've never seen such loyalty toward a friend. Here, let me give you a horse to fill the empty spot in your heart. Well, that's mighty neighborly of you. Why, look, she's moving. Here, here lay down, gal. Play dead, will you? Say, she ain't dead after all. No, but she's going to be. She pulls a new trick every time I try to get rid of her. Well, I'll fix her this time. Did I? No. Put that gun back in your holster. I'm tired of her being a boss. I'm getting her own way all the time. Come on behind the barn, you four-legged ornery critter, you. Did I? What happened? Hide, man, hide. That crazy horse took the gun away from the horse. Tell what she'll do. Uh, next Monday night, September the 20th, uh, Dave Rose will produce a benefit ball at the Hollywood uh, Palladium Ballroom for the disabled American veterans. And now Dave will, and his Parker and Gamble Orchestra will play one of the numbers from his show, It's Magic. <laughs>
Thank you, Dave Rose. Now for a page from The Mean Little Kid's Diary. Remember how when you were a little kid, how fond you were of candy and sometimes the trouble it got us into? Well, especially if you had a sweet tooth like Junior, the mean little kid. Mommy, is that you? Yes. Then this is not me. <gasps> oh, darling, what happened? Where did you get that black eye? I ran into a doorknob. Now, Junior, don't fib. I'm not fibbing. I ran into a doorknob. Widow Dickie Orland was holding it in his fist. <laughs> have you been fighting? Yes, I have. That Widow Dickie Orland says that Grandpa was a big drunk. And you said he wasn't a drunk. I said he wasn't big. <laughs> Young man, that black eye is going to cost you a spank. Now, hold on, kiddo. Why don't you wait until you find out about me bloody nose and the tooth I lost in the front before you start paying off? I don't like this installment plan stuff. <laughs> I give up. Yeah. Do you realize that I get gray-haired every day and it's all your fault? Well, it wouldn't be if I wouldn't hide your inner wrench. <laughs> can I go out and play? Yes, but don't go too far away because I have to clean you up before the company arrives. Okay, I don't like that. She cleans up on me before company comes in and she cleans up on me after they leave. <laughs> Are we going to have company? We're going to have company. I wonder if it's somebody I've met before. Nah, they wouldn't risk a second. <laughs> company? Company, that means fresh peanuts and candy and all the dishes. Well, I'd better go back and take a peek in the living room again, boy. I gotta be quiet as a widow mouse. <laughs> oh, that's silly. A rat like me disguising himself as a mouse. <laughs> I'll take a look at it. I was right. Look at the dishes all filled with candy. Oh, look at that big dish of candy there. Now, let's see. Mmm, that's good. Boy, that's good. Are you having fun, candy thief? Yeah, well, come on in, but be quiet because your <laughs> mummy or grandpa might... <laughs> You tricked me. Well, what have you to say, Junior? Well, and I... get those dirty little lunch hooks out of that candy dish. Well, I'll just take this little piece of candy that I squoze here. I said no. Oh, oh you hit me, you hit me. Now I'm going to tell on you. I'll wait till the company gets you and tell on you. I have nothing to hide. My life is an open book. Yeah, but I got a footnote that everybody will get a kick out of you. <laughs> Very well. What are you going to tell? I'll tell everybody that you wish... Who was uh, handling one of the oars when, when Washington crossed the Delaware? Oh, now that's ridiculous. Oh, it is, huh? Hey, Bernard, look, the general standing up in the bow. Hey, sit down, George. You're rocking the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what you Outside with you. Okay, I'll just take along something to nibble no, on. No, you don't. <laughs> Not so hard. How many times do I have to tell you to stay out of that candy dish? Well, I don't know how many pieces of candy are left in there. <laughs> can I have some? Why can't I have some? Because you'll spoil your dinner. Well, why can't I just have candy for my dinner? Because it'll spoil your supper. Look, kiddo, by the time supper comes, I will be in so much hot water, I will be sent to bed without my supper anyhow, so what I got to lose? <laughs> I said keep out. Oh, now, look, you give me some candy, or I'm going to bang my head on the piano. Do you stop banging your head on the piano? We just had it tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, she loves me like Wallace loves omelets. What's going on 
in here. Oh, sweet tooth Charlie is acting up because oh, I won't yeah, give him yeah, some yeah, candy. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't I have some? I need, need sugar. Me what your body needs. Sugar, sugar builds energy. And I need energy to stand here and, and argue with you. Now, listen. I can stop myself in time, boy. And I got my mouth wiped out with tide, you know. Now, down with Crisco. Junior, there was enough sugar in that piece of cake I gave you ten minutes ago. Mother! You mean to say that you gave him a piece of cake? Yeah. You admit you've been spoiling him with sweets? Well, don't just give up easy like. I made you do it at the point of a gun. You don't have to answer. But I'll get Jerry Gessler. He'll get you out of here. Too quiet. Mother, I want to know why you insist on spoiling him. Spoil? I smell this way all the time. That is the most ridiculous statement I ever heard. Now, you give him more sweets than I do. Well, I should. After all, I'm his mother. Well, we thought you wanted to keep that a secret. Spend his affection in any manner I see fit. Yes, he should. Now, top that one, fat girl. Well, I, I gave him that cake because he was hungry. Yes. And I do it again, Yeah, too. do it now. Do it now. We'll show her. <laughs> hey, look, keep peace in the family. I'll just help myself to a widow candy and you Get out of there, yeah. oh, What's the matter with you? A minute ago, you was on my side. <laughs> You get upstairs and go to your room. Ain't you going to let me meet the company? No. These people we like. Yeah. <laughs> now, go on. Okay, double-crossed. That's what I was. By my own grandma, too. Well, from now on, I'm a lone wolf. Goodbye, communist! <laughs> Child. I'm sorry I lost my temper, Mother. Oh, well, it's all right, dear. I... Oh, look. It's gone. What's gone? The candidate. That little rascal. He took it upstairs with him. Now, Lorene, it's up to you to take that boy in hand. Well, I intend to, Mother, but let's not frighten him. We know that he took the dish of candy. But let's be diplomatic and pretend that we don't. All right, Junior. Where is it? Where's what? Now, look, little poker face. <laughs> What? What's the name of that thing? I can't find it. <laughs> we want to know about that candy dish. What candy dish? Now, look, young man. There were only three of us in the living room where the candy dish was. Yeah? But now the candy dish is gone. Do tell. And I think I know who took it. And I think I know who took it. And I think I know who took it. <laughs> but I hope none of us is stool pigeons. <laughs> Under the bed. Oh, no, no. Well, what do you know? How did that get there, I wonder? I'll have to punish you, young man. <laughs> you beat me all the time. But it didn't hurt. <laughs> oh, it didn't. No, it didn't. Well, this is going to hurt you. What? Your grandmother and I are going to eat all the candy and oh. not give you any. Well, go ahead and eat it. I don't care. I just close my eyes and not watch you. How do you like that? All right. Yeah. Here, Mother, a piece of candy for oh, you. Thank you, Lorene. Not even going to look at you. Are his eyes still shut? Still shut. Hmm? Eat your candy, Mother. It looks delicious. I oh, my. I can hardly wait to bite into it. Oh. Good heavens. It's just like biting into a rock. Oh, the lower plate's ruined. <laughs> oh, there went my inlay. Let me see that dish of candy. 
Look, he filled the candy dish with rocks. <laughs> I'm going to give him the whipping of his life. Now, get right back in the nursery. Well, I just go to show you, if you don't keep your eyes open, you're liable to feel the consequence in the end. Thanks for being with us tonight, and we hope you liked our program well enough to be with us next week. So until next Friday... This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening, and thanks for buying more and more of that Watch Day Miracle, Tide. <laughs> Tide's in the air. Dirt. Our tide gets cold cleaner than any soap. T-I-D-E. Tide. Pumpkin Gambit invites you to join us again with the Red Skelton next Friday. Now stay tuned to the life of Riley, which follows immediately. Red Skelton is heard in this program through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. See you in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week when I'll uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor, and have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.